It's the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Kevin Clark. We are on day two of the least essential emergency pod on the planet, but it is a free agency emergency pod. Joining me is Danny Kelly. Danny, how are you, buddy? I'm doing excellent, man. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Doing okay. Riding this out. So let's put this in context. Most sports have stopped. In fact, all games have stopped. Mm -hmm. Most leagues have come to a grinding halt. All of us, just selfishly, quite frankly, uh, a little bit worried about the lack of, shall we say, content over the next two months as a as right. a sports media company. You can only you can only think through it through that lens. <laughs> Bill O'Brien, <laughs> the Bill O'Brien, that keeps on giving answered our calls. <laughs> he took one for the team. He is a content lord, and oh we thank God. him. So. <laughs> Big picture, let's talk about free agency and what happened on Monday before we get into the nitty-gritty of sure. that trade. So DeAndre Hopkins, superstar wide receiver, traded to the Arizona Cardinals for David Johnson. Uh, yep. I, I, that's, those are the players involved. Uh, the <laughs> David Johnson's a running back, and, and for the last two years, has been particularly good. Mm. Um, the Cardinals also get a fourth-round pick. The Texans get a second-round pick and a 2021 fourth-round pick. A couple other deals that are pretty important. DeForest Buckner goes to the Indianapolis Colts in exchange for the 13th overall pick. Yeah. And the Colts sign him to a deal worth that pays him $21 million a year, second biggest according to Adam Schefter contract for defensive tackle behind only Aaron Donald. Um, other deals, Jack Conklin, very good tackle, goes to the Browns, $42 million. Panthers cornerback James Bradbury is headed to New York, three years, $45, 32000000 million guaranteed. Uh, Hayden Hurst gets traded to Atlanta. Forgot about that, yeah. Yeah, and then Austin Hooper goes to Cleveland. And then late breaking news, Byron Jones going to Miami. Yeah. So let's start with the most important thing of the day, which is the best player who was on the move on Monday was DeAndre Hopkins. This is Bill O'Brien being Bill O'Brien. You know, it's funny because I remember talking to someone last offseason and we were talking a little bit about coaches versus personnel people and sort of the tension that goes on there. And, and this is something I've talked about on the pod before, but one of the tensions that exists is that coaches will always sort of prioritize their vision for the best 22 or 53 guys or whatever it is over the value of, of what they're doing. Right. Like, and sometimes, sometimes that works out the Niners because they needed a fullback gave Kyle Juszczyk the biggest fullback contract in history, but that ended up being fine. They made the Super Bowl because they knew they know how valuable he could be and all that stuff. And whether or not you should pay that much money is a different issue, but they made it work. Right. Yeah. Bill O'Brien seems to look at certain situations and say, we have a hole to fill or we have this to deal with and I don't actually care either what I get in return or (laughs) what the value of it is. You know, a good example is last year, maybe because of the Andrew Luck panic, he trades for Laramie Tunsil because you have to make sure Deshaun Watson is protected. In a vacuum, that makes sense. Deshaun Watson is as valuable an asset uh, as the Houston Texans have. He's one of the best young quarterbacks or best quarterbacks in football. And you have to keep him upright or else you're going to end up ruining his career, as has happened with with quarterbacks, bad offensive lines. However, they traded two first round picks for him. This is this is a Bill O'Brien move. The worst thing you can say about Bill O'Brien is he made this trade. It was a bad trade. And it's the type of trade you'd expect from Bill O'Brien. So he has more power. He's the GM. He's the, the football czar of Houston. And this is the kind of thing he does. Danny Kelly. What's going on? <laughs> so 
my first reaction was, generally speaking, there's always, I think when you first see the news of something on Twitter or, or wherever, there, there's a lot of times where the first gut reaction to trades can end up being a bit like hyperbolic or or harsh or whatever. You end up mm-hmm. kind of, you can you can end up rationalizing it or figure out why it makes sense a little bit later. I'm very much struggling to figure out how this makes any sense, both from a strategic point of view or a value point of view. I mean, both both the strategic and the value, you know, factors in this trade make absolutely zero sense to me. Hopkins is an elite receiver who's still very much in his prime. I mean, he's not getting any younger, but he's still got a few like, very high-level years in him. You got a, you got a very good young quarterback that you need to, like you said, take care of. And getting rid of his best, most reliable target makes a little sense, especially when Will Fuller is like their next guy who's just been hurt all the time. So that strategically makes zero sense, and the value is just awful. I mean, if you look at the list of receivers over the last few years that have been traded for a first-round pick, you know, a lot of them are nowhere near Hopkins level. You know, Brandon Cooks a couple times, um, Percy Harvin back in the day. Um, Hopkins, you know, Hopkins is better than Mark Cooper. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a top three guy. So I just don't see how it makes any sense. Now, there's there's some um, rumblings and reports that he and, and Bill O'Brien did not see eye to eye, that there was some tension there, which is exactly why you have a Fine. GM. Fine. You have a GM because if I were Co- Bill O'Brien and DeAndre Hopkins hated me, I would choose DeAndre Hopkins over myself. <laughs> I would fire myself. I would self cancel. Someone, someone tweeted. I don't remember who. Apologies. Is like Bill O'Brien is not good enough to be trading away these kind of players, you know, because he doesn't get along with them. Like some well, coaches, well, I mean, you could. It's Chip. It's Chip Kelly esque. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, and the other thing is Bill O'Brien is acting like he needs to save his job because I think he absolutely does. And so you Which don't job. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, I, well, I don't know how he managed to like secure such, such oversight over the entire franchise. Would you, would but you be has. surprised if next week there were like Bill O'Brien is now the owner, like Cal, <laughs> the Johnson family just gave him the team because he asked for it. <laughs> yeah, for I, real. I, I'm in agreement with you. So David Johnson, even if you think, okay, we can get a player who can, who can help the offense or whatever. David Johnson in 2020 is not that guy. No. Both of them make around the same amount of money. Both have mm-hmm. cap hits around $12 million. Even if Bill O'Brien thought we have to get DeAndre Hopkins out of the building, which again, I would have picked Hopkins over myself. But even if you thought that, <laughs> you don't give it up for this. You have right. an auction. I mean, Odell Beckham went for a first last year. Plus, first plus, yeah. First plus, yeah. But I'm just saying the first is the thing. Amari Cooper went for a first, obviously. I I just, I'm struggling to see any justification other than Bill O'Brien thinks that with his unique skill at scheming, which, you know, he's he's a fine coach, but he's not Kyle Shanahan here, that he can Mm -hmm. recreate Hopkins production. That the, 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 Having him in the locker room is a bigger detriment than having him on the field, which I I personally find to be ludicrous. I don't. First of all, first of all, if if DeAndre Hopkins didn't get along with Bill O'Brien, I can see Hopkins' point. 
Okay, that that's my first thing. And the second thing, <laughs> right. I mean, it's not from a personal standpoint, but just from, I mean, he's done some things that have not put those players in the best position to succeed. Just yeah. that's that's sort of it. I don't know Bill O'Brien well enough, or quite frankly, I don't know DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins well enough. Um, there's a great story by Robert Mays a couple of years ago um, where he, he, he spent some time with him. Um, Mina Kimes wrote, that story a couple of years uh, last year about DeAndre Hopkins as well. Um, different story, but I mean, I don't know either of these guys to make any value judgments on right. what's going on behind the scenes. All I can say is either play DeAndre Hopkins and let him be one of the best receivers in football, or get value equal to that of one of the best receivers in football. This is ludicrous. Can you believe? So Bill O'Brien has traded away Jadavian Clowney and DeAndre Hopkins in the last you know, calendar year plus or whatever. And they have zero first round picks in this first, in this draft. Right. Right. Zero that is mind boggling. It, it makes no sense to get rid of two premium players at premium positions. Yeah. At premium positions and not have a first round pick to show for <laughs> It's ridiculous. Or even your own first round pick. <laughs> I know. It's I just, just ridiculous. I, it's funny to me because I've been on this bit that Bill O'Brien somehow became the most normal Houston GM for a while. Not most normal, but the most became the, the Texans became the most drama-less team in Houston because the Astros are massive cheaters and <laughs> Daryl Morey sent the Rockets into an insane international right. debate. Uh, Bill O'Brien is back in that conversation. <laughs> he has reasserted himself back yeah. in that conversation. All right. Let's talk about DeForest Buckner. You love mm. DeForest Buckner. Now, I think it's interesting because the Niners here get the 13th pick in the draft. They get to build off of a obviously really good foundation from last year, and they've they've shown an ability to understand who fits in their system. Yeah. Who won this trade? First impression. Oh, man. It's so difficult. It's and I think actually that kind of points to the to the idea, at least in my mind, that this is a pretty good trade for both teams. Because I, I, I agree with that. I yeah. went back and forth on who won the trade until I realized that I can see both sides of it, which means it's probably a good trade yeah. for everybody. So on the 49ers side, it worries me a little bit that they're getting rid of Buckner because last year the defensive line was such a massive, massive part of their success, their identity, their the complexion of their defense. You take a so important, you know, such an important part of that out of the line mm-hmm. and it could completely change the entire sort of, you know, efficiency of the entire defense in theory. You know, there's just like they they had such a very well-oiled system there with so much talent on the defensive line and getting Buckner out of there it makes me worried for that defensive line. Now, obviously, they have the 13th pick, so they can find a guy potentially that can fill that role and have him on the cheap for another four years, kind of like what they did with Armstead, because he was the seventh overall pick. Yeah. Oh, sorry, with Buckner. In, in So maybe they can like do that again. Maybe they can get a guy like Derek Brown or whoever and and play that role. Um, but I think it is a little bit worrisome just because you know their defense was such a huge, huge part of their success last year, and so they're taking a very big risk. Um, the Colts... On the other hand, are also taking a risk because you're trading for you're trading a premium pick for a guy and then paying him a huge amount of money. Now, they do have to use that money. I mean, they're one of the teams where they got to spend money at some point. Yeah. And so, I actually, you know, I think it makes sense for both teams. Really, going back to the 49ers, um, what I forgot to mention is they can't pay everybody. So that's a big part of it. They paid Armstead. 
they they decided they weren't going to be able to pay Buckner and Armstead premium money. They took a little bit of a discount, went with Armstead, got the 13th overall pick. So all in all, I can kind of see it. It does worry me a little bit, but I can kind of see their strategy there because, you know, they have a lot of guys eventually that they're going to have to pay and all that to keep the team together. So that's just kind of a value pick that they decided to make. With the Colts, I think they had to spend money. They're getting a guy who's 26 years old. He's all pro. He's one of the best interior defensive linemen in the NFL. He's tall. He's long. They can use him in multiple ways. It makes a lot of sense for them. Um, so, like, strategically, I think that makes a ton of sense. But, it, again, you're you're spending a premium pick and paying him top-of-market money. So that's a huge, huge cost. And so there's some – there's. I guess what I'm trying to say is there's some, there's some pros and cons for both, and um, I can't – necessarily say I hate the I hate the trade for either team I kind of like the trade for both teams um but at the same time it makes me worried for both teams so it's one of those yeah, things I mean, where Steve Palazzolo points out 49ers perspective they get Buckner seventh overall they get four years really good years out of them and they flip mm-hmm. them to the 13th pick that's that is good business right sure and from a from a just an on-field standpoint for those of us who don't know I mean people Coaches, GMs, those guys know Buckner, and obviously he was a top pick, so I think the casual fan knows him. But what does he do well, um, just from an on-field standpoint, Danny? So he creates a ton of pressure from the inside. And yeah. So like I mentioned it, number one, he's really tall and long, so he's kind of a unique guy. I mean, he's, he's I would say, probably one of the in, the, in the running for second-best defensive tackle in the NFL behind Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald, obviously. Who else is in that running? Okay, so I would say that there's a pretty big tier of guys that are right below uh, Aaron Donald. I mean, you could add, you, just going down the list, like Geno Atkins, Chris Jones, Jarrell Casey, um, you know, Fletcher Cox. A lot of these guys are kind of in that second tier, I think. I, I would say Aaron Donald's sort of in this tier of his own. Um, Sheldon Rankins is really good, too. There's a lot of guys, but I would put Buckner in that group. So, you know, he, he's a very, very good, good player. He had 55 freshers last season, which is seventh most among interior defensive linemen per PFF. Um, again, he's only 26 years old, so he's very much in his prime. So it, he's a very good player who's in his prime. Yeah, and that's why this is a good trade. Um, all right. Therese Paylor was on with the show two weeks ago, and we were talking about the free agents we were circling who could really have an impact immediately with their teams. Jack Conklin was the guy he picked. Jack Conklin goes from Tennessee to Cleveland today. Uh, three years, $42 million, 30 guaranteed. Jack Conklin's pretty good. And the Niners, excuse yeah. me, the Niners. The Browns had a hole at line. That's one of the reasons they failed last year. You like this? Yeah, I think it makes perfect sense, actually, for the Browns. It's, you know, they're they're putting in a new system under Kevin Stefanski. You know, the system that the Vikings ran last season, essentially, I'm guessing it's going to be very similar where they're doing a lot of wide zone stuff, a lot of play action. I really feel like, you know, when when they're trying to do outside zone, wide zone looks, if you don't have a good right tackle, it's kind of one of those things where the runs can just blow up in the hangar. If you get, if you get penetration on the outside immediately, it's over. And so... Having a guy like Conklin, who can, he was actually the sixth ranked run blocking top run blocking tackle in 2019 for uh, per pro football focus. So, very good run blocker. You know, he's a good, he's an adequate pass blocker. He's fine. Very good run blocker. Um, and so that's hugely important for the Browns team. We we're going to want to run the hell out of the ball. I mean, if if we can take anything from what Stefanski, you know, did in, in Minnesota last season. So I think it makes a ton of sense for them. Same deal with Austin Hooper, who they also signed. It's you know, tight ends are a big part of that offense. They do a lot of two tight end stuff. You know, play action. He's going to be kind of this guy that's running 
you know, either up the seam or kind of these leak out routes uh, on the on the backside of run plays. And so um, both of these signings make perfect sense, I think, schematically and strategically. So can't really fault either of them. I, I kind of like them. I kind of like the Case Keenum signing, too, as a veteran backup. Yeah. I mean, I guess they see themselves as uh, contenders because, you know, that's the type of thing you do in in, in case I you're just starting. like it. I mean, I've told the story before, but, you know, Jeffrey Lurie doesn't even call it the backup quarterback. The Eagles don't. Jeffrey Lurie told me the Eagles don't even call it the backup quarterback. They just call it the second quarterback because yeah. these guys play. That just happens. And over the course of, I don't know, two seasons, you're going to need. I mean, the damn, the damn Chiefs were in the position they were in, in large part because they were able to get by and be competent with a backup. Saints, too, yeah? Yeah, the Saints, too, exactly. So I think that that's... Backup quarterbacks are important. Don't go cheap on it unless you've you've hit on a draft pick. Uh, Byron Jones. Yeah. So Byron Jones and Bradbury are... So Byron Jones is better than Bradbury, but they're both... So if they're one of them is making 17, one is making 15, and they're both going to teams that have holes everywhere. And I like the signing of Byron Jones more for the Dolphins. And I also think the Dolphins have a better overall plan here. Do you agree? Yes. I, I like the one for I like the Jones to the Dolphins one. I think that's I I imagine, you know, essentially you're looking at his contract and this is this tells you everything you need to know. But I think they see him as a franchise cornerstone type player, kind of like um like Stefan Gilmore for the Patriots and his ability to tilt, tilt the field defensively. Like you can trust this guy on an Island that changes the things you can do with the other 10 guys on the field changes, you know, the geometry of the defense, all that stuff that we've been talking about with Revis or whoever, I'm not saying he's Revis, but he's a high level corner who I think they can trust to get the job done and where they can do other things on the other parts of the field. That's, that's what the Patriots are. You know, Stefan Gilmore is a shutdown corner for them. I'm guessing Brian Flores looked at that and said, we want a guy that can play that role for our team. Not to mention, they have Xavier Howard, too, who's also an elite yeah, I, corner. So, so let, me, let me stop you right there. So Byron Jones is getting $82 million total, $40 million guaranteed in the first two years. Xavier Howard is getting five years, 76, $46 million guaranteed. Okay. Are, I This seems slightly Belichickian to me. And also, by the way, <laughs> pro football focusy because yeah. pass rush is more important than pass, excuse me, pass defense better, uh, more important than pass rush. Yeah. But Bill Belichick has historically been more open to paying cornerbacks than pass rush, right? And he feels like you can scheme up pass rush or whatever and he's traded a lot of those, a lot mm. of really talented front seven guys. Um I feel like they're starting from the back and moving forward, and I, yeah, I, yeah. I like that. You know, my only my only hesitation there is they did trade Minka Fitzpatrick, who would have been a very right, very good right. member of that secondary. Damn, can you imagine? They yeah, they have the makings of a very good secondary, obviously, with two really good corners. Um, oh, man, it. I can't. I don't know if I, like off the top of my head, I can't remember to, a team t- paying two corners like that much money i mean obviously these are paying yeah i mean like aj boy usually it's a draft pick plus a free like aj boye and jalen ramsey were the two statistically best cornerbacks in football one year but obviously jalen ramsey was on a rookie deal yeah i'd have to think about an expensive cornerbacks like that but on the other hand i wrote about this in december when i was down there look they've got the money to spend 
Sure. They've got yeah. the money to spend and they can spend it. And they, they had more transactions than any team in history. They took a huge amount of dead money to have this sort of cap space. I'm in on this deal. Um, I like this. I like this plan. The Dolphins are not going to be good in 2020, but there's there's something there. You know what I you know I thought of when I first saw this deal is the the way that the NFL is going, the direction the NFL is going, a lot of teams have two number one receivers these days, or at least it's sort of trending in that direction. Plus, if you look at the draft this year, there's a just a ton of really, really good receivers coming out. Um, I think just the overall depth. Uh, and also, um, I don't think we talked, I know what you're saying. I, I don't think we talked enough about Arizona with Cliff Kingsbury. There's going to be attacks like that that yeah. I'm not saying the Dolphins are going to have to play them in some big game or anything, but I'm saying like there are going to be offensively get offensive minded coaches who stack their receiving core and have quarterbacks who can make plays and go five wide and just go crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I think the more, the more corners you have, the better. And you no longer need just one good corner in this league because you can pick apart the number two guy if you want. So yeah, it's a very, very interesting thing. I think Brian Flores is a very smart schematic planner and all this, and and I'm very intrigued to see kind of how this direction goes because the Dolphins have so many picks, they have so much money, and you know that's a big, big move that they made right here, and so it's kind of exciting. Uh, who won first day of free agency? Arizona. Yeah, I would say so, just because it was such a lopsided trade. Like they literally got rid of their worst contract and got an elite player for it. I mean, obviously they did give up a second round pick, so that's that's not yeah, nothing. Okay, fine, <laughs> but but yeah. That, it just feels like highway robbery. And so I think they have to be the the number one team. The, the other thing that we didn't talk about is it gives the Cardinals a really good amount of flexibility with the eighth overall pick. Yeah. Kind of going they, into they the draft. Go, I think they can go line if they want it. Yeah. The they, line. they can go offensive line. There's a top tier of tackles in the, in the draft this year that it really, really falls off a cliff after like the f- first four or five guys. And so they can get a blue chip tackle if they want it. They could get a blue chip defensive lineman. They could get, whatever they want they don't have to be pigeonholed into being like we need a receiver to kind of make our offense work blah 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 like this this gives them a ton of flexibility so i think that's you know they they did a lot of really good work today in making that trade i can't even believe it i also think that i mean kingsbury's ability to adjust to the season went on and i think become a better nfl coach in december than he was in september which not a lot of coaches are, quite frankly. Um, I, I really liked what I saw out of him. I liked what I saw yeah. out of Kyler Murray. I think that they have a decent core, certainly better than they gave Josh Rosen. And now <laughs> right. they can kind of build on moving forward. I was impressed with Steve Kime to sort of have the patience to to get this sort of value. Uh, yeah, this is this is good. This is this is the type of move they needed to really go from kind of where they are to fringe contender in the NFC West. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they were the most they were the most improved offense objectively by DVOA last well, that year. That wasn't went from, hard. Went from thirty. They went to they went from dead last in points per game and offensive DVOA to I believe they finished seventh in weighted DVOA. So that that weights more towards the end of the season. Like you're like you were mentioning, they got a lot better as the season went on. Yeah. Seventh from thirty second. So um, they're going in the right direction. Obviously, there's still a lot of holes and all that, but I think Kyler Murray, his his arrow is definitely pointing up. I think this is a huge move that stabilizes their offense a lot because they were doing a lot of their four four wide receiver, three wide receiver stuff with kind of replacement level receivers, and this changes the whole complexion of that. And I think we'll find we'll get a better idea of kind of what Kingsbury's 
overall vision, I guess, is for his offense this season because it has he has more talent. They can they can upgrade their offensive line too. I think so. It's going to be really fun. What I love is that the Cardinals got DeAndre Hopkins. They're going to be much improved. And Cardinals Seahawks games are not going to change at all. <laughs> it's going to be they're going to six to six into, triple overtime. Well, yeah. or or it, I'm like <laughs> the card, uh, yeah, or or not. I mean, it just like well, it doesn't we can't matter. Do triple Seahawks, overtime anymore, but yeah, yeah, the Seahawks will just the Seahawks will just just mold themselves into the perfect Cardinals foil, and they'll God. play epic games that, yep. that are completely untouched by reality. All right, Danny <laughs> Kelly, anything else? Uh, no, that's it, man. It's a good, good first day of free agency or whatever. It's not even actually free agency yet, by the Tampering. way. Which is well, we still have Philip Rivers on the board, Tom Brady's on the board, Devian Clowney. So yeah. I think that we're going to be, able, I think we're going to see some, uh, some fireworks and I think we're going to be right back here. Absolutely. All right. Thanks for listening to the Ringer NFL show and the Ringer podcast network. We will be back later this week. It might be earlier than later, depending on when some of the bigger news and free agency drops, if there's more trades. But whenever something does happen, we'll be back right here.